Hello, person, and welcome to Anthem of Life. I'm your host, Douglas Sarine. This episode was recorded in the Footprints Theater just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I'd just seen the most recent show, King, Queen, Jack. Very intricate and elaborate show, confusing, but intense. I hung back after the show and talked to several of the cast and crew, but my eye just kept getting drawn out to this woman who was cleaning the stage. So I started towards her, and as I approached... She gestured for me to press record. So I did. And subsequently, I found myself having the most peculiar conversation with Mary. Enjoy. Mary, I I know you're in the middle of a a hundred things, but I appreciate you taking a moment to talk to me because... The stage is a mess. <laughs> You're telling me. You don't mind if I uh, kind of work while we're talking, just just for a little bit. I'll walk with you and I'll hold the microphone so that we'll, we'll capture all of it. This is perfect. You have to clean this up every night? Well, uh, if I don't, nobody else will. So <laughs> the answer is yes. I lost count in the first act. How many decks of cards end up on the stage by the end of this? Exactly 48. 48 full decks of cards and they're they're covering the stage. Full decks of cards, but they all have different backs. I am responsible for collecting each card properly, putting it back in order, jokers and all, and putting them back in all 48 sleeves in entirety, complete. You have to do this every night? They don't just throw out the decks and have fresh... I wish. It's a small theater and, you know, this whole talk and movement towards becoming more environmentally friendly, there's there's good and bad to it. For an avant-garde theater... It's been around here for a while when I saw that brick on the way in. Yes, 1942. That is when the first production happened here. I was not here. (laughs) Uh, What brought you to the Footprints Theater? I would consider myself sort of a a voyeur, uh, not in a creepy way. Okay, don't get the wrong idea here. But I like to watch people. I like to listen to people. I like to uh, absorb some of their energy. Uh, Sounds kind of roo-coo-coo, but uh, trust me, it it really helps balance you as an individual. And when I heard about this theater and that they were going to do works that were not published by a reputable agency like, say, Samuel French, Mm. that really intrigued me. That told me that that they were willing to take a risk, and that was something I wanted to get involved with. And did you come and see a show here, and that got you hooked? I like to think that the night that I first came here, which was actually in 1973, is opening night. Your opening night. Because that was my opening night. I don't mean the opening night of the theater in 1942. Your opening night was that night in 1973. Yes. And ever since then, you've been part of the show. 
You're right. I did start uh, working here very soon after. Unfortunately, I didn't. I was never cast in anything. Uh, oh, I, you know. Did you have uh, aspirations as a performer? Oh, sure. I mean, doesn't everybody? I was told at a young age that I, I had a, a voice for radio. And a face for it, too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I always thought that was a, a a double compliment, you know, a face and a voice for radio. It's a nice way to look at right? it. Right? Because when you hear a radio, you imagine things, right? But um, I don't know why you have not been in shows, because <laughs> I'm already entertained by this conversation. So I'd, I'd watch you. I mean, you could have played the queen in this show. Oh, my God. I mean, the gal was nice, but I I, I, I could see you playing that, that role. <sighs> Listen, that's a very kind thing. Uh, I should be so lucky to play a queen, right? I mean, I was more recently hoping I would be cast as the nurse in Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Talk about avant-garde. Uh, I, it, it didn't happen, but my grandfather always told me, dress for the job you want. So the cape, it makes me feel better. People do notice me. Once in a while, you get a director in here that says, actually, it's distracting. I need you to not wear that. And I say, you're just jealous. Put them in their place because they're just here for one show. You've been here since 1973, <laughs> buddy. Thank you. Yeah. I don't see you cleaning up pheasant after the king ate his meal. Yeah, now that was a real pheasant? It was a real pheasant. Don't even get me started on the complications with that. Have you ever touched uh, the the cooked meat of a of a fowl like that and the, the oiliness that comes from it? Oh, my God. That's it. Oh, it's disgusting. Oh, I can see it there on the floor now. I don't, oh, you, and you got to clean that up. It'll turn you vegetarian if it hasn't already. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that that's allowed. Uh, and maybe that's the reason why you guys are just outside of Atlanta. You're able to have a little bit more license to do. <laughs> well, that is very true. Uh, here in Conyers, we have a lot more liberties. What's your dream role? That would have to be in Pennies, Pennies, No More Nickels. Her name is Melinda. Melinda. Uh -huh. Pennies, Pennies. Pennies, Pennies, No More Nickels? Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that there's been a movement to remove pennies from circulation. Mm -hmm. yeah. People think they're stupid. They don't make sense. They weigh too much in your pocket. What people don't realize is how valuable copper is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this character decides to take it upon herself and collect pennies for 16 years and melts them down. And creates a still to make gin from a recipe that she found in an old shipyard while visiting Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. Mm. I don't want to give away the ending. No, 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 no. But, but that's, that's the gist of the story. That's a very interesting story because I, I was like, oh, what, what's she going to do with all this, this <laughs> copper once, once she got it? But the fact that she's enterprising and turns it into a business for herself. That's right. That's more enduring than just saying, oh, I'm going to turn in some pipes and sell those pipes. She turns it into a sole proprietorship. Mm -hmm. Did I mention that it was a musical? Oh, you did not. Are you a bit of a singer? Do you like singing? Uh, I do. And again, it's not a traditional musical. There's not the pomp and circumstance. But she breaks into song a few times. So I guess it's not technically a musical, but... You know, just everything about it appeals to me. Wow. I, I really hope you get a chance to play Melinda in Penny's Pennies, No More Nickels. 
here's hoping. Oh, well, okay. Let me get out. Let me get out of your way. Do you need help? No, I'm okay. Why does the body have to be full human weight? It's more realistic. Oh, okay. Let me grab the feet. (laughs) Just tonight. Just tonight, you got somebody to help you carry the load. Don't tell anyone. This is totally illegal. This is a real body. Oh, this is a human being? Yes. A deceased human being? There was an accident. Is it the same body every night, or do you get a fresh one? No, we were not anticipating this. I've been trying to stay calm while I'm talking to you. Because I didn't think you would notice. I just thought it was part of the show. Does Reginald die in the regular show? Uh, He's not supposed to, but he, he choked on a piece of the pheasant bone. That's Derek Hall? Yes. The actor that played Reginald, that's Derek? Yes. Mary. Two-time Tony nominee. I know who Derek Hall is. My Georgia Tonys. He's the reason why I came to see this show. I was looking for him backstage. They told me he had gone home. Wow. So... (laughs) Just kidding, Douglas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My God, I got you good. I was about to talk to my producer to say, is it okay if I help uh, Mary dispose of a live body? Oh, it's a dummy. That looks just like Derek Hall, by the way. Seriously, did I fool you? Yes, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say the best performance I saw tonight was Mary, who fooled me into (laughs) thinking that that dummy of Derek Hall was actually a dead person. Well, thank you. So I'm going to put in that word for you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were in the next performance of this show. One can only hope. Thank you. Yeah. For believing in me. I mean, I just met you. I know. That's but, part of what makes it so special. But I tell you, I was talking with Alice, the director backstage, yes. and I just kept looking over at you. I was like, what's she doing out there? What's going on? What's this lady? At first, I was like, who's this person wandering around the stage? Because I... You don't look like, quote unquote, your job. And that to me was so interesting. You are extremely charming, I must say. That's how I get people talking <laughs> for, this, for this thing. Let me ask you about this picture that's out in the lobby. That is you with Stella Baxter, who seems to be the grand dame around here. Uh, she is. Um, do you guys go back a, a ways? We do. I get nervous when I talk about her. Um, well, if you say anything too bad about Stella Baxter, I'll, no, I'll cut it no, out. No, 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 no. Nothing, nothing oh. bad, uh, I'm going to say. Uh, she intimidates the hell out of me. She's a lovely woman. But my God, does she intimidate me. That is possibly why I get scared when I have presented myself uh, in front of her. Like an uh, audition or something? Yes. You know, for a long time, I said, I, that just makes me want to try even harder. I'm going to come back here until they do cast me. Like that spirit? So I did keep coming back, but not in the same capacity. I'm only speculating, but uh, it could be because... They don't like that I am able to talk with people who have gone beyond this realm. Oh. Remember I had mentioned I like to take the energies of other people 
I don't mean to be uh, too forward with you right now. No, no. I'm getting a very, very strong sense of a man wearing a green golf visor, mm-hmm. perhaps a plaid button-down shirt. That sounds a lot like my grandfather. He was a uh, dealer at a, at a casino in <laughs> Atlantic City. So he, he'd always wear the little green visor. He's the one who's been talking to me every night. Oh, my goodness. When I every pick night. up the cards. What's my, what's my grandfather been doing here every night? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm telling you. I didn't even know that he'd been to Conyers, Georgia. Maybe he picked up on the fact that you were going to be here. Oh, so it's just tonight that maybe he's... No. Oh, he's... He's been talking to me now for... When did we open? Uh, 16 days ago, yesterday. He's been here every night. He did used to say, plan for tomorrow. You'll be ready when it gets here. I like that. One of his uh, sayings. That's a very, very good advice. Did my grandfather say anything about uh, where he put his surfboard collection? We haven't been able to find his surfboard collection. I know that that's a dumb and materialistic thing to say, but... He says, check the garage. Check the garage. All right, I think we've pretty much checked the garage, but we'll, Wait, we'll check it that? again. We'll check it again. He says, check the rafters. The rafters. The rafters live just down the street from us, and I bet he put it in their garage. I think that's what he meant. Well, that's good. I'm going to give Bob Rafter a call and t- ask him to check that garage. I would be curious. The, I mean, this is incredible that you have this ability that Stella might be jealous of this. I think so. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised she left that. let that picture still be left up there. That was from a, a different time, a different era, really. Do you think she's the reason why you've never been cast? Quite frankly, um, yes. I don't know if that's wrong for me to say it, but my God, I've kept quiet about it for all these years. What what do I have to lose at this point? The ability to, to, to clean up after thespians when all I've yearned for in this life was to become one myself? It just, it still really stings, you know? Mary, you're inspiring me and breaking my heart at the same time. I I want to see you move on. Move on. I want to see you go to a different theater. I, I, there's. I can't believe I'm saying all this, but something about you makes me feel comfortable. I hope so. I hope it, it is good to get these things off your chest. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take out my program here. Okay. I'm going to go through this cast one at a time and... What's your take on these people? Because you seem like you've been here long enough. You must be able to read people like <laughs> like that. All right. Derek Hall. Mensch. Uh, he seemed like a good guy. I mean, just the from, best. from the curtain call, you could tell the way he, he immediately wanted everybody up so there. So gracious. With he was a good guy. Vanessa Mayberry. Sufficient in her role. Stuart Ramsbottom. Arrogant. Oh, he's... Talented, but does he need to let us all know that he knows he's talented? He can't turn it off when he gets off stage. He's one of those. Before, yeah. during, and after. Wow. It's always on. Alice Williams, the director. Absolutely incomparable. She's uh, a genius. 
She's a risk taker. You'd like to be in an Alice Williams show. A hundred percent. I think that's why she's here at Footprints. She's the embodiment of avant-garde. You know, when I was young, my mom used to say, why do you have to want what everybody else wants? Why can't you be different? Why can't you get something that everyone else doesn't have? Why can't you be avant-garde? I said, because I'm eight. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as that. Well, she's not afraid to be avant-garde. And I would say you're avant-garde now. But oh. Look at you don't dress like anybody else dressed backstage. You are your own original. You know what? My mother would probably think this is avant-garde. But if she had her way, this would be a cowl neck and the collar would pop in the back. One more. Todd Hess. He stole my heart. See the guy with the gray, gray beard? Yes. Gorgeous, perfectly manicured, well-oiled, cedar-scented, eucalyptus-hinted beard. He stole your heart. Did you steal his heart? No, I just tried to lock it away and throw away the key. He, he moved on. Uh, I, I, clearly, I haven't. Uh, probably never will. Well, Mary, it looks like you still have a whole bunch to do here. I'm going to get out of your hair. Thank you. I will never forget that dead body. <laughs> you had me. You had me. And for my money, that was the best performance I saw tonight. Thank you. Mary, thank you so much for talking to me. And uh, I'll, I'll let, you get back to, let you get back to work. Here. And there's a... This doesn't belong to any of the decks that we have in here. I think this is from your grandfather. Wait, are you... Four of diamonds. He gave your grandmother a four-carat diamond ring. How did you know that? Wait a minute, I... (laughs) She's gone. She, She just disappeared. Where the heck did... There's there's no trap door and oh, okay okay, Mary is just gone. She she disappeared and in front of me there is a stack of what looks like forty eight decks of cards with a loose four of diamonds on top and she's she's just well I'm not sure what just happened. Oof. It's chilly out here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anthem of Life. Our show is completely improvised and produced by me, Douglas Sarine, along with Mary Pat Farrell and Sarah Atwood Sarine. Our theme song was produced by the wonderful Ben Wise. You can find out all about his music at benwise.bandcamp.com. Additional music provided by Icarus. A special note of gratitude to Jessica Young for having some fun with us as Mary. Jessica is an actor, improviser, and podcaster based in Los Angeles. She has appeared on New Girl, Jimmy Kimmel, and For the People. She has been performing and teaching for over 20 years all around the country. She co-hosts the Ransom Raves podcast weekly and performs regularly with her longtime improv team, Big Yellow Taxi. You can find Jessica on Instagram at JessBYoung1975, at the Ransom Raves podcast, and at Big Yellow Taxi. Inspiration for this episode came from the song The Wind Cries Mary by Jimi Hendrix. Find out more info about that enigmatic anthem in this episode's liner notes. 
where you can also find a link to enjoy our eclectic Anthem of Life playlist on Spotify. We appreciate anything you do to amplify the anthem. One super helpful way is to take a moment right now to rate and write a review for our show on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Anthem of Life Podcast. Give us a follow and let us know if you think Mary was corporeal or a theater ghost. Until next time, we wish you a life worth singing about. Anthem of Life.